Hello, fellow Gritizens. Do you believe in your ability to navigate life's obstacles, but you're not always sure where to start? Well, lend us your ear, because here on our Grow My Grit podcast, we gather strength and inspiration from real people navigating real obstacles in real time with grit. My name is Peter Willis, coming in from Calgary, Alberta, together with our gritty guru, Hayes Shetmeyer, who is beaming in from Mississauga, Ontario. Here on the Grow My Grit podcast, our intention is to engage with guests and listeners who are ready to know, grow, and show their grit, perhaps best described as one's default settings in the face of obstacles, and what obstacles we faced since the beginning of 2020. However, one of the biggest opportunities available to us all is the possibility of recreating our identities and re-engaging our relationship to both ourselves and to one another using the unique strengths we already possess and reliably bring to challenging situations. With our individual grit compass as our guide, let's explore what's available on the other side of obstacles. Are you ready? Good afternoon, Hayes. Hi, Peter. It's good evening to me here in Ontario, but I will absolutely take that salutation because greetings are good. How are it you? It is good. It is a good afternoon. It is a good evening, I hope. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. Yep, I'm here talking to you, so it's wonderful. And what I thought we could talk about today is a conversation I have quite often with clients who have done the work of knowing their grit to start. Once people figure out their G-R-I-N-T words, one of the questions I like to ask is, do you, in looking at your words, think that they connect? Do you think that they cooperate? Or do you think that they compete? And the logic is that words that kind of connect, they're related, but they're not necessarily building off of one another. When your words compete, they're actually two separate ends or two separate types of energy or they generate two different types of reactions from people. And then the cooperate is really where they kind of feed off of each other. So I love getting people after they've initially identified their words to really think about that piece just as an informational element. So I thought it would be cool and informative and fun if we went through that for ourselves, for our listeners. How do you feel about that? I think that sounds great. I have my uh I have my my grit words, and okay. I already I can see uh, from my side some some interesting stuff I'd like to to poke you about and see what your thoughts are. But um, awesome. I think to kick it off, I think maybe if you start, I think uh, yep. that would be a, that would be a great thing for uh, for us all to get started on. Will do absolutely. So for anyone who doesn't know yet, my G word, my grit words, my G is gratitude. In the face of obstacles, my brain reliably sees how things could be worse. So I'm grateful that I'm at least where I am. My R word is resilient in that I'm I'm bouncy. I don't take a lot personally for long. And I, as much as I feel like I'm underwater, I'm never at the bottom of the lake. I'm always kind of seeing the surface in that sense. There's still light above. My I is imagination because, again, my default setting when things get hard is to see 68 ways things could go. So I'm constantly aware of other opportunities as much as I'm not always sure how to execute or make them happen. And then my T in grit is time because I reliably consider it a finite resource and I'm always thinking about what else could I be doing with my time given the space I'm in right now. So if I need to be sad, if I'm hurt, if I'm enraged, if I'm super happy, whatever the experience is, the question is, could I be doing something else with my time in the face of this obstacle? So looking at my four words, I find that gratitude stands alone because it's an experience that doesn't necessarily 
look ahead in that sense. So my G word doesn't connect, compete, or cooperate with any others necessarily. And I find that to be the same with my T word, my time word. It kind of cooperates in that it's like the fundamental across the other words, like time is always there. Time is the root (laughs) of everything that I experience. But for me, I think that the word cooperate really captures my R and my I. Resilience is, my resilience is tied to being able to see opportunities and that element of, okay, I'm going to keep trying because I haven't given this opportunity a try, or this can't be the end of the line because I haven't tried this yet, or whatever happened this way may not be the last thing I have opportunity to try to make happen. So I find for me, my R and my I are very interconnected. I'd say they cooperate and that they essentially feed off of each other. So whatever I think might work out is worth a try. And that's the resilient piece. So I'm willing to try, see how it goes. And then if it didn't go the way I expected, looking to see, okay, well, what else could have happened and what else could be possible? So in a really short answer, I feel like my R and my I definitely cooperate and feed off of each other. The T is kind of the the undergirding element of it. And my G kind of stands alone is my initial reaction to the concepts of connecting, cooperating, and collaborating. I wonder, so um, as I was drawing arrows and things all over the place in my little (laughs) book here while you were talking, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're talking about, you had a piece there about uh, resilience and imagination and um, uh, ideas and how time kind of is the the foundation, stands kind of on its own, gratitude Mm -hmm. stands on its own a little bit. Do you ever put a in the way that I've drawn it out here, it makes a connection on my paper, which is why I'm kind of going to ask you, but like, mm-hmm. do you ever put a, uh, the resilience and the imagination and those two yep. things are, are creating ideas for you, mm-hmm. your time piece, do you ever put a time limit on the process of <laughs> resilience and imagination and ideas? So you've got an idea or you want to initiate something. Do you ever put a constraint or do you ever use time to anchor that piece of making a decision? Like I'm looking at the, I'm thinking of the connection Mm -hmm. between them all, right? That is so interesting. I do not would be my initial reaction to that concept because I've never, I don't think I'm a person to know how long things should take. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't put a time constraint on an effort to get out of a situation. Again, whether it's emotional, if I've been upset about a situation in that instance, I'll say, you know, I've been sulking for two hours, so probably I could be doing something else. Mm -hmm. But when it came again, I use losing a job as the clearest example. I I didn't, I knew I had three months from being laid off Mm -hmm. to find, to kind of between notification of being laid off and actually being laid off, we were given three months notice. So I knew that that was an abstract deadline, but I didn't say I have to have a new job lined up by September. So initially I don't, I don't impose temporal constraints on my R and my I. Mm -hmm. They just keep feeding off each other as long as I can imagine something else. And again, if it's monetary, like if I, if I need to get a job to connect and make money, I'm obviously not going to just keep trying things. But if there's no, um, in the absence of an actual need to solve something, if there's time to try options, I will keep exploring because I find, I again, I don't know how long things will take. I don't know how long certain challenges will take to resolve themselves or to what I'm going to learn from them. So I don't say, I don't impose time constraints on my efforts to to get through or to do hard things. If there are external constraints, I absolutely will recognize those, but I don't tell myself, you have to have this figured out 
by this time and this date or else. So that's really interesting to me. Um, you know, with the uncertainty of not knowing when a resolution may arrive, et cetera. Uh, and I work a little bit mm -hmm. differently for better or for worse. I, I, I probably expect too much too soon, um, which creates a lot of stress and, uh, and overwhelm. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so what techniques do you employ for yourself personally to not get overwhelmed and stressed out by a situation that you ultimately can't control? Um, I'll leave it there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And for me, the first thing I always do, so I say I feel, I heal, and I deal with what's real. So very much if I don't know what's possible or if I'm not sure how something's going to go, I act on what I can do to get information. So again, I'm very connected to the idea that I do not know everything. I can imagine how a conversation will go. I can imagine how an interview will go. But until I take part in that actual conversation, I'm just operating from my story in my head. So in terms of how do I move forward in the face of those difficult things, I, mm -hmm. I act. I, I speak yep. what's on my mind. I, I get out of my head might be the easiest way to say it, but yep. I definitely... And so, yeah, and that's kind of also what I'm going for, Hayes, is how do you do that? Like, what techniques do you employ? Is it breathing? Is it yoga? Is it What, what is it that allows you to get out of your head to keep moving, even if you're going to park something for a bit yep. and just continue on with your life, you know, for a day or two? Yeah, yeah. What do you do to allow you the headspace to just park something for a bit, let time work its magic, and then, you know, the resolution, you will work towards it. But how do you how do you get out of a, a headspace that maybe is stressful or overwhelming, um, if they are? Uh, what, what do you do to, to give yourself that break? Interesting. So I've, that's a great, I love saying that's a great question, because of course, it's a great question. But I feel as though I, I do things like yoga and I do breathe. Mm -hmm. I do those things naturally. So maybe, right. so I don't call on them necessarily in difficult situations. I feel like I'm mm -hmm. just kind of doing them anyway. But again, if I think of having lost the job, and I, I use that example a lot because it's the clearest, biggest, most difficult thing that's happened in a couple of years in that sense. So yeah. knowing that I needed to find a job, what I started to do was think of what I wanted to do write it down. So again, so for mm. me, writing down writing what I'm down, yeah. imagining, what I'd like to see possible, writing things down is how I initially get things out of my head. I talk to myself a lot. I know a lot of people use others. I'm my best friend in yeah, yeah. the truest sense of the word and that I bounce a lot of ideas off myself. I always say I'm like 17 people in when I have real life best friends and people that I love with all my heart, but I'm the best listener as far as I'm concerned. So I often write things down and just play things out. But I'll also involve other people to kind of get an idea. So here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I want to try. Here's what terrifies me. Here's what may or not may or may not work. So I write things down mm -hmm. so that they're out of my head. And then I will organize. I love sorting tasks. I love math. I love science. I love physics. So things that I can try to reduce to small manageable steps is another thing if I'm looking at mm -hmm. finding a job. Okay, that means collecting data, that means getting information, that means figuring out what I want to do. And then even looking at that when I was being laid off, I thought I have done so much in this role in the last five years, but I couldn't tell you what that is. I just met needs. So I went to the drive mm. on the laptop that I used for five years and I just went through every folder. Okay, so I've been a project manager, I've been a consultant, I've been a facilitator. So I will go to 
a source of information or evidence of what I've done so far prior to this hard thing happening. And then I'll use, okay, so if I'm going to try to describe myself later on, I need to look back at what I've done. And the best way to look back at what I've done is to go through projects or to pull out songs that I've written. So for me, again, looking back at what I've achieved or accomplished is helpful in trying to figure out how I'm going to present myself going forward. But I guess interacting with written material Mm -hmm. is really good for me. And then fleshing out ideas, whether it be with another person, whether it be with myself. I listen to a lot of music as well, and I just love concepts that just kind of flow through me through songs. So I guess that's another another way that I inherently give things up without even meaning to do it. So a very long answer to say that I <laughs> I constantly have opportunities to flow through yoga and just be in my body instead of in my head, which is a nice place to be. And then I will write things down as they get as my head gets full. I'll document accordingly and then just working through what's written or what information already exists to come up with steps that I can take. And then even looking at that, oh, I didn't even know that I could try these three things together and describe myself in this way. Or I can try to have this conversation with these two people that I didn't see until I started to write down mm-hmm. variables. So I feel like I'm going off the charts in a sense, but at the same time, just really getting at getting things out of my head onto paper is helpful. And then creating smaller steps for whatever the task is, Mm -hmm. is useful. And then having ideas flow through music or yoga, whatever that is. But that element of air flowing is somehow really useful and always finds its way into my experience. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I'm just thinking that, you know, what, what, what be, what, what might be really interesting uh, in the future for a, you know, a podcast is to, is to have a practical episode or a tactile episode about how do you actually do that? Like we, mm. we know, you know, we always hear make lists, make lists, but like, so you take someone like me yeah. who has uh, lots of ideas and, and uh, lots of things going on that I'd like to be accomplishing, but struggle with doing so. And then you take someone like yourself who has lots of ideas, but has, is very, very uh, capable of executing, right? And that would be really interesting to walk through. So um, I feel like I know lots of people that are, you know, maybe similar to myself. They yeah. wheels spin a little bit and things. So yeah. how do, you know, uh, not for today, but something to park for sure to, to mm-hmm. maybe go into in the future. So we'll take you, for example. Yep. Why don't you, you know, you would walk us through, we'll just make, we could make a fictitious situation or a real situation, but you guide us through the steps of how does someone who is successful at doing this mm-hmm. do it? Mm-hmm. Because then it gives uh, people who struggle with it um, some examples and a little bit of modeling. It would be really nice, yeah. you know, so yeah. just an idea. Yeah, I love that. And I think in even hearing you say that the first, the the biggest way that I get things done per se is break tasks into smaller steps. So I definitely, I don't experience overwhelm very often because I'm good at Mm. seeing small steps. So as much as I know the giant goal, I, my, I I love the lowest common denominator. And sometimes that is getting up in the morning. (laughs) Sometimes that is showing up for a meeting that I would rather skip. So I I Mm. think the general kind of modeling piece is, Start with what you think is the end goal or where start at what you think is the next step and then come up with 10 little steps to get you there. So that whole idea of transitions being just as important as where you're going. I think if I had to describe the process in kind of a a five minute workshop, it would be start with where you think you're going next 
and then create 10 little yeah, steps yeah. to get there. Yeah, I think that's my, that's the easiest way to describe my approach. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds great. And it, it you know, it sounds uh, simple. Uh, but for many, I, I don't think Not it is. Easy. And that's really yeah. interesting, right? So uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. There's lots to, lots to I'm think about. Can I, can I say, <laughs> yeah. And one other thing too, sometimes it's the creating the steps is one thing, but then figuring out who will do them is another. So sometimes people can't mm-hmm. even separate, well, I can't come up with 10 steps because I can't do them all. So I'm not going to think about them where it might be okay. Just independent of who's going to complete the steps, break this task down into 10, which is neat. You can even get someone who right. isn't in the situation here. I don't know you, but this is a goal. Can you make 10 yeah. Yeah, little yeah. steps to get here? And I don't worry about who's doing them. Don't worry about when they need to be done because I know people who will get into that. Well, I can't break it down because I don't know when I'm going to do this. I don't know who's going to do it. So it's not worth it. When in fact, you can actually separate the action items <laughs> mm-hmm. from the people responsible for completing it and from the time frame. Just because you wrote it down doesn't mean it has to be done. Just because I wrote it down doesn't mean it has to be done by me in three hours from now. There's lots of space to, yeah. 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 Next time, another episode. This is yeah. great. No, that's great. Because <laughs> I remember I, I, I have tried that and I could really see how it would benefit me. Mm-hmm. But one my first task, the first time I ever tried this, it was about a year and a half ago in an, uh, an ADHD seminar kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it was really interesting. It was great. Um, but my first thing on the list was uh, I, I, I allocated two hours for it because I, I wanted to put times beside all the, the minute things or the smaller things. And the first thing on my list was uh, take two hours to make the list. <laughs> so I wasn't like, yes, you know what I mean? Like I, I literally started with cup of tea, two hours just start thinking and make the list. And that's that was it beautiful. for the day. That was it. That was it for the day. And and that then next next beautiful. week I would do something else. But the yep. first thing on the list was actually yes. make the list for two hours and then put it away for a while. <laughs> but that's kudos, that's power to you because the creating the list is work. And that's all that could be your work for the day is it was exhausting. creating the list. <laughs> yes. Yes. And for some people it's lickety split barber trick done for others. It's yeah. that was so, so again, that is your work and you did it and you can say, okay, now that the list is done, I'm going to choose one thing from the list next week. And yeah. that is seven days. Yeah, from that's now. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I love that. That's a great example. Look at you modeling strategies. See, we're a good team. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's great. All right. So let us know about your G-R-I-N-T. Any connections, cooperation, competition? Sure. How's it going? Yeah. So there's one that sticks out right away for me. So my G-R-I-T. So I have goofy, uh, resilient, intimate, and tempted. And there are some um, uh, connections right away that can be made with, uh, uh, for sure, with intimate and uh, tempted. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that kind of is this outlier for me big time on my list is, um, is, is goofy. Uh, and, and I like goofy and I've, I've certainly over the last little while been trying to figure out if that really is the right word. And I, 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 I do think it is, but I, I, I've had some second thoughts about it, but interestingly, I was just wondering if goofy, um, some of them compete, but does goofy compete um, with some of these other ones. So for example, does goofy compete, uh, with intimate, Mm -hmm. you know, like, do I use goofy sometimes? Like I, I I use it to, you know, uh, create a situation that allows me to cope by making it maybe a bit lighter, et cetera. But at what point does goofy get, 
you know, for lack of a better term, parked yeah. and then the work begins of some sort or like where does does Goofy ever show up in a place that uh, is designed to hide what's really going on or to avoid a situation, right? Or to avoid a conflict. Yeah. Does Goofy ever kind of just rear its head and, um, you know, sometimes it's very helpful, but I wonder if sometimes yeah. it's a detraction. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, we've known each other for so, so long, so yeah. you'll know for sure kind of what I'm talking about there, but it's just something, just some, you know, yep. uh, self-reflection there. But does Goofy get in the way? It certainly can be helpful, but does it compete yep. with some of these other words I have? Resilience is kind of, I get that one. I feel safe yeah. and secure there. I feel like it, mm-hmm. it, it, it does its job, but I wonder where Goofy is really important. Does it also get in the way? Um, yeah. Do you have any? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? I totally do. It's neat to hear you say that because I believe that Goofy is your G. Leslie said the same thing when she was here. You referenced that you have a lightning bolt of silly coursing through your soul, essentially coursing through your veins, and really that's important when things are good and when things are not so good. And I feel like that definitely that intention of keeping things light and also keeping things. Um, Keeping things moving, Goofy is a way to keep things from getting stuck. So it isn't even necessarily making it light, bringing levity. It's All right. bringing energy to a space that I think is unique to you. And I would fully endorse G as staying with Goofy. But I do see how it can compete with intimate. A, the way you reference that, it could be sometimes you're, when things are hard, you just make it light so you don't have to talk about how you really feel or someone mm-hmm. not necessarily you someone Absolutely. with those two letters could use goofy to avoid getting intimate in that sense yep. and on the flip side someone who isn't comfortable with being intimate or having someone speak in a way that really gets at their information they may take the goofy onto themselves and just say well you know that's a stupid question i'm not answering that why do you care about growth why do you care about this so i feel like the concept of goofy could definitely compete with the idea of being intimate, but knowing you as long as I have, you always seem to allow them to operate. But I'd imagine that there could be a civil war in your <laughs> mind sometimes, like, I can't believe that came out of my mouth, or right. I just have to say it this way because I, I can't even get into intimate yet because I don't know what I want. So I feel like I could imagine there's a lot of potential for competition between goofy and intimate simply because they're asking different things of you mm-hmm. and they're asking different things of the recipient in the conversation. So, so yeah, I can imagine how those two definitely would create tension in the face of an obstacle. But again, knowing that Goofy allows that flow, just allows that right. energy in a way that the other words don't, there might be ease in kind of being a little goofy and then like not trying to do them at the same time. It might be really sensing that that again that time piece mm-hmm. like i'm tempted to be goofy but i really want intimates probably the better option and then once we've got that level of intimacy we're going to goofy remember that time we weren't sure how to start this conversation and mm-hmm. <laughs> remember that time that we were all so yeah so i feel like independent of knowing who you are someone with goofy and intimate as part of the set of skills and strengths they're bringing to a difficult situation those two would definitely create an extra level of thought right yeah, yeah. or an extra level of um an extra level of self-reflection after responding or being in an obstacle and thinking oh is that really what i wanted to do or oh i wonder why that happened first yeah i, I um I, I kind of I, i've never thought of it like that so that's great um thank you for that i was i was thinking maybe goofy is kind of like um uh uh bicycle chain grease 
right? There's lots of gears and stuff. And, and maybe, maybe for me, Goofy is that lubricant that helps everything yes. move a little bit um, smoother. Sometimes yeah. maybe there's too much grease and the chain comes off, but in general, in yeah. general, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it like kind that. of helps, helps gears change a bit. Uh, and that goofy yes. piece is kind of what I need to make that happen. Ooh, so. That's a great picture. Oh, I love when you bring concrete imagery. That's so good. Yeah, goofy. Yeah, the that's grease. really uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a great. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought about it until we were speaking kind of last week mm-hmm. uh, about uh, you know the different points on a compass if they uh, if they compete uh, and that's just or if they compete, cooperate and connect, right? And that's just yeah. a yep. it's it's really uh, an interesting thought process really to look at your words and mm-hmm. and see how do they how do they fit together or is there um yeah is there is there a bit of friction there yeah. not necessarily fr- friction is not necessarily a bad thing as we've talked about before grit itself yep. implies friction right <laughs> yes 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 and i think what i want listeners to take away as well is that this effort to look for those ways in which your words compete connect and cooperate is just an opportunity to reflect on what it is that you bring to difficult situations so it's essentially another way now that you picked your words now that you know your grit when it's time to do something like grow your grit is it a matter of i'm going to work on these two at the same time is it a matter of i'm going to work on this letter first and i'm going to look at trying this letter at work or at home or doing so again this exercise of the compete connect and cooperate gives you insights into what growing your grit will look like because that in itself could be terrifying if you're if all your words compete then it's really okay i'm going to start with one and then I'm going to see how I can build the others in. Or if they all fit together like a sentence, I'm just going everywhere. I'm taking my all of my grit everywhere I go because mm-hmm. it's that there's that much connection or cooperation. I can even explain it easily because there's so much, because my words fit together so easily. So again, I just want people to kind of take away that the intention of this question, do your words connect, cooperate, or compete, is really just more insight into what's mm-hmm. happening and what else could be happening and what could be possible once you know your grit. Yeah, that's great. That's really, uh, that's really interesting. Thanks, Hayes. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, uh, you're welcome. Thanks for talking today. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for talking and thanks for listening. Thanks for asking all the questions that you ask. Cause I never know what's going to come out of my mouth, but I always know that it's coming from my heart. So I love the chance to connect with you and with listeners and just <laughs> talk about how we do hard things. And I will definitely try to have more concrete examples. Cause I love that idea of really bringing in a practical piece yeah because i know some people really need that will benefit from practical examples so that's also on the list for future podcasts awesome practical episode practical podcast coming up (laughs) awesome thanks Hayes. it was really good as usual it was great to see you and speak with you today Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you peter and i'm so grateful for you and grateful for all the people who take the time to listen and make this happen behind the scenes i will see you soon Thanks so much. Bye, everybody. Bye. Grow My Grit with your hosts, Hayes Shetmeyer and Peter Willis, is a production of Gritty Guru Company. Technical production by Niall Fines. Music by Peter Willis. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Google, and Spotify. For more information about Hayes' book, Know, Grow, and Show Your Grit, Self-Discovery Made Simple, please visit growmygrit.com. All right, that was take one, Niall. That was official take one.
Yeah. Coming up here. Do some mouth exercises. Bigger breath necessary on my part. Here we go. Okay. Here comes take two. Oh yeah. That I'm so was ready better. for the theme song. Deet, deet, deet. I love that, that I lost take my mind. Two, Nile. Take two.